Second Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. We know that. We know if you put one kernel of corn in the ground, you're not going to grab a, a whole crop of a field of corn. It's, it's according to how you give. It's according to how you sow in that field. And then verse 7 says, Every man will be sowing as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. It should be a desire, an intentional, purposeful giving because we want to give to the Lord. We're giving to meet a need. And God loves cheerful giving. Now, we're giving... I looked up a definition of giving and it, it's so antiseptic. It's so, uh, it's to pass on or to deliver from one person to another. I mean, if I was to go over to Gavin and just hand him this, I would be giving him that. Not that he needs it, but I'm giving it to him. And to deliver something or to supply something. I mean, like, I just shook a lot of hands and I think some of you might have given me the flu. You didn't even know it, but I have it. Thank you very much. But you know what I did? I passed it on. I gave it to a couple other people. So, I don't know. Yeah, unclean, right? You don't want to shake my hand, Leo. But we it's just passing something on. But I don't like that. I, I don't like that. It's too, I don't know. It's not, it's not from here. What is giving? I'm talking about when there's a need. When you see a need, that you understand the extent of that need, and you're moved or pulled by your heart to meet that need. So it's a decision of the heart. Now, we make decisions according to the Word of God. But it's your heart that's where the zeal and the passion is to give. It's here. So that you're kind of like, I see a need and I'm pulled by my heart. I'm moved by my heart. It says, meet that need. Give. Give. And it shall be given unto you. It's purposeful. It's thought out giving. Not reluctantly. Putting euros in that box back there. That is the least of what this whole message is about. That should just come because God has blessed us in such great ways that we do give and put euros in that box according to the tithes and the offerings. But it's not reluctantly putting it in there. It's not putting it in there and, you know, it's like, I can't get it through that little opening. Maybe I ought to put it back in my pocket. Or I can't get my hand out of my pocket. It's just tough. It's hard to give. God says, you know what? Keep it. I want you to be a cheerful giver. Not unwillingly. Not out of necessity as being pushed and urged to the point of distress. All they want is my money. I don't want your money. And God doesn't even want your money. You know what God wants? He wants your heart. Once He's got your heart, He's got all of you. And by the way, He owns everything. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God will get the work done one way or the other. Wouldn't you like to be in the place of blessing? Say, I've given to God for the work of the ministry here. Not out of necessity. I wasn't pushed over to that box. I wasn't pushed to someone's house, house to, to help them paint their house or whatever other way you can give of yourself to the point that you're distressed about it. Stay home. Don't give. God doesn't love that. Now, should we give? Yeah. But do it in such a way that it's cheerful. 
and, and realize that you're only giving back to God what He's already given you. Cheerfully. A willing and joyful giver gives God joy. He just loves it. That's our memory verse. You want to make God happy? You want to, you want to make Him love you in a, in a special way? Give with a cheerful heart. You've heard the saying, there are givers and there are takers. That's right. And uh, some of these takers, they think they're owed something. It's so all they do is take, take, take. Never cross their mind to give. They're just takers. No, that's just the reality. They're professional takers. You know what? We could call them professional thieves. <laughs> They're just always taking and never giving. It shouldn't be that way in the church, by the way. For them, to, it would have even crossed their mind. Me? Give? No way. I'm a taker. But you know, look at it another way. There's givers and there's getters. Guess what? We all can be givers and we've all been getters at times. Every one of us has gotten something from someone else that's helped us get through a rough time maybe. It just means that someone has given you something that met a need in your life. If we really kept record of it, we wouldn't have enough pages in a notebook to write all the times that someone has helped us along the way. Whether it's even someone, your pastor, Pastor Craig, standing up here giving messages. He's giving. Eating the flock. Mark all those down. All those messages that were preached. We, we just don't realize. Now, you may be more of a giver than a getter. So you have the means to be a great giver. Great. That's the way it should be. God has given us so much and we need to give so much back to honor and glorify Him. Now look, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20. Ephesians 4.20 But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation. That means your former life. The way you lived. The old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and in true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Christians... Well, us, we've gone through a drastic change in our life. What is that? We've been saved. We've been saved. We've been changed in a moment. Our whole destiny has been changed. You're going into eternity on one decision you made to trust Christ as your Savior. You've been changed in an, in in an instant. But there's something else going on in your life. Besides salvation, is a done deal. It's sanctification. It's the changing, you becoming more conformed to the image of Eric. No. Or Leo. No. Conformed to the image of who? 
Jesus Christ. That's sanctification. That's becoming more like Him. And it, the text is telling us, to, our text tells us to take off the old man. Take off that old life. Don't live that way anymore. We can all say, well, I don't lie anymore. That's good. Although some of us might tell those little white lies, you know, those little fibs. Maybe to the tax man, you know. But, you know, that we can say, I don't lie anymore. Good, I speak truth with every man. And I try not to get angry and I don't want to give place to the devil, but let in the stole steal no more. You know, I thought about my life. I stole things. And I'm not proud of it. I'm ashamed of it. You know what I was? I was a taker. But then, I worked with my hands. God has blessed my life and now I can give. So I'm no longer a taker. I want to be a giver. And I can be a giver. And you're in the same boat, by the way. You know, we're all sinners. We've been takers at times. But now we can be givers. Because we're taking off the old man and we're putting on the new man. You know, we work with our hands. We work and labor. We do whatever we do, whatever way the money comes in. Why? It's to help others, believe it or not. It's to be a blessing to people who may need it in one way or another. I'm not talking about your taxes. That's after the tithes and the offerings. But I'm not talking about giving your taxes and then, you know, somebody uh, on the dole and taking the money and not caring about working. I'm not even talking about that. I'll have to answer for that. I'm just giving to help each other. Giving to help the needy. You know, there's some people that just have needs. And the body of Christ should meet that need. We can meet that need. We don't have to look out there. God will meet the need right here in the church. In the local church. We need to be giving. Yes, that box is back there for a reason. It allows us to give our tithes and our offerings. They don't go to Pastor Craig. They don't go to Tony. He just makes sure they go into the bank so that it's used to get the gospel out in Balancholic and Cork and as far in Ireland as we can reach. And that's the whole that's the whole thrust of it. If there's something that's not meeting that, that should be peeled off and just carved that right out. Everything we do should be to reach souls for Jesus Christ. And that's why we're giving. And that's why you give your time. The old man hates that. That old nature hates that. That you would work all day and give some to somebody in need. Keep it. It's yours. Don't give that to anybody. Let them get their own. That's the old nature. Well, take it off. And even when the old nature gives, back there at the box, it gives calculating, measured giving. Knows exactly what it's giving. The right hand knows what the left hand is doing. Everything is in line. It's measured and calculated. And it's, it's with an unwillingness. It's grudgingly. I say put it in your pocket. God is not happy with that. Now you say you're disobeying God. Well, wouldn't it be easier just to put the money in there? Put it in because you're obeying the Lord. And you're, you know, the tithe is only a starting place. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But the tithe is only a starting place. You give from your heart and you'll just start giving. As God hath prospered you. Because that's what the verse is telling us. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. We've been changed. We've been taken from being takers to givers. 2 Peter chapter 1. (laughs) 
I'm wondering, pastor's going to watch this one. <laughs> Dan, don't tell him not to give. <laughs> it's not what I mean by it. What I mean is we're to give cheerfully. I mean, what kind of blessing do you get by, by giving grudgingly? That's why God says, I, I love a cheerful giver. So when we give, it ought to be from our heart that we're honoring God. You know, in First, Second Peter chapter 1, and verse 3, it says, According as is, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So here, the Lord has changed us and given us a new spirit. He's brought our spirit to life. That dead spirit is now, we've been born again. And we have a divine nature living inside of us. We're not divine. The divine nature lives in us. God lives inside of you. And if that spirit is in you, the Holy Spirit, then that's a giving spirit. So it's already there. It's a matter whether you want to live by according to the old man or the new man. Because the new man says, give. The new man says, give. Be like Jesus. Be conformed to His image and give. And it, and, it, and it comes easier all the time to give. Not greedy. Not a lover of money. That's not the spirit we've been given. We've been given a new spirit in the sense that it's been born again. Not a money-grabbing spirit. Not greedy. You know, I saw this show, and it had to be a very long time ago, about how to catch a monkey. Now, you may have a thousand and one ways to catch a monkey. But this way that these guys caught the monkey was there was this huge termite mound. And the monkeys used to be up on the termite mound and, you know, it was in Africa somewhere. And um, But they would eat the termites once in a while. Good protein for the monkeys. would, So they would hang out at the termite mound. Well, anyway, these guys wanted to see how they could catch a monkey. So monkeys are very curious. So they went and made the hole just so the monkey could get their hand in. They enlarged the hole where the termite mound was. And then they put some put something in there. Maybe it was candy or whatever it was. But the monkey was watching. They were off in the distance watching. And uh, then the men moved back, got in their places. And the monkeys, very warily, made their way over to the mound. And the monkey, they made the hole perfectly. That the monkey could get his hand in if he squeezed it. He could get his hand in. And there, he felt that, and he grabbed it. But you know what? The men come out with their net, and the monkey didn't, all the monkey had to do was let go. But he held on. He was making all kinds of noise, turning himself, flipping himself around, but he wouldn't let go, Marianne. He just held on to that. Some of us are trapped because we won't let go of earthly things. Money's a big deal. It really is. I know it's a big deal. But we have got to give that over to God. We've got to let go of it. God will not let any of us beg bread. He's going to take care of us. David said, I've been young and old, and I've never seen the children of God begging bread. He will take care of us. Let's not be like the monkey. That little bit, he couldn't get his hand out. But he wasn't letting go. Some of us just need to let go. And let God bless us. He was trapped. Some of us might be trapped. We're different, is what I'm trying to say. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We're just different. We act different. We talk different. We think different. We should give differently. 
Now, we've been saved to be used of God. Turn back to second, I mean, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we know verses 8 and 9, we know them by heart. That's salvation. But verse 10 is sanctification. We ought to be walking in good works. We are the work of God. He's created us for this very thing, to do godly works like giving. Having a giving spirit. It's a life of good works. That's what Jesus saved us for. That's what He created us for. And He said in John chapter 15, For without Me, you can do nothing. So if you're not giving, it's because you don't have Jesus. You're not living according to Jesus'. He's not sitting on the throne of your life. He's not in control of your life. Because with Jesus, you can do anything. <laughs> There's nothing impossible uh, with God. But without, if you don't have Jesus, you can't do anything. For without me, you can do nothing. The reason we can't give many times is because Jesus isn't in control of our life. A channel of blessing. God wants you to be a channel of blessing. What do I mean? If there's a big reservoir way over here of water, big, big, big reservoir of water, deep, billions of gallons of water, how do I get that water over to Marianne? I need a canal. I need a pipe. I need some way of getting that water to Marianne. Not one cup at a time. All she needs. How do they do that? A pipe or a canal? Guess what? God is looking for pipes or canals to funnel all His blessings to someone else that is needy, that needs it, you see. God doesn't wonder how He's going to do something. He's just looking for somebody to fulfill what He wants to do. Do you want to be a channel of blessing? A canal? A pipe? God's going to use you. Now look, He wants you to be the canal. Not the reservoir. You know, we're going to look at a verse later. It says, according to His riches and glory. You know, the more water you take out of that reservoir, the more water goes in it. God doesn't get depleted when we take. When He gives us, He doesn't have less. The Bible says He gives according to His riches. He gives to us. So that means God has everything. He owns everything in the world and the universe. And when He gives to us, He doesn't have a little bit less. He owns it all. Even when He gives it to you, He still owns it. It's all His. All He's looking for is some pipes. Some canals to get the the flow from there to there where the need is. Do you want to be a pipe? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Maybe God wants to bless someone else's life through you. I know that's the way it was with the churches here in Macedonia. There was a, there was a great need in the Jerusalem churches. They were persecuted beyond belief. And uh, Paul was trying to get money to help them. And Look, it says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty 
abounded under the riches of their liberality. I mean, they gave not because they had a lot, but because they had this joy in their heart. They were cheerful givers. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Oh, willing. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, not as we thought, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And there it is. The key is in verse 5. Why they were so willing to give and meet a need that someone else had. It's because they'd already given themselves to the Lord. They were living in the new man. The old man wasn't in control. It was easy for them to give. Even in deep poverty, they gave liberally, over and above, past what was able. Why? Because they were giving according that they had given to God themselves. They gave their own selves. Once God has complete control of you, you're willing to give whatever God wants you to give, whatever He lays on your heart. You know, we do things we never thought of doing before. Once God's in control, because it's God doing it through us. Our hands, our eyes, our ears, our feet, mouth, they're all His. And giving for us should be not just our money, but also our time, our labor, our talent, whatever we can do our whole life. Give it to God. Now look, we're encouraged to give. Look in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And in verse 38. You know this verse. It says, give. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all shall be measured to you again. It's almost as if the verse could be one word. Give. All the other stuff is attached to the giving. Just give. And it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Give. And that's not just talking about money. It's talking about the verses before that. When you put it in context, it says, Give in verse 30 to every man that asketh thee. But in verse 35, But love your enemies. Lend, hoping for nothing again. Verse 35, For he is kind unto the unthankful. We ought to be kind. Merciful. That's what we ought to be giving too. Love. Interceding for others. Being merciful. Kindness. Forgiving. And yes, giving of our our euros. Giving of our money. And look, it's going to come back to you pressed down, shaken together, and still running over. Shall men give into your bosom? Depending on how you give. You know, the... Um, I don't know where I get these illustrations, but... The Roberts Roberts Coffee, when it has 50% extra, they tell you for free. I, I, you're still paying for it, but... It goes from 227 grams to 341. I buy it. We buy it as much as we can. <laughs> I love it, and it's cheaper. I'm getting a little bit more. But to get it into the jug that holds our coffee, you know what I gotta do? I gotta bang it. I just bang the, Kathy's always telling me, you break that jar, I'm gonna break you. And I believe her. So I, I hit the jar, but I always take it easy. But little by little, it goes down. I shake it back and forth, and I bang it again. 
and I can get the whole thing in there. But I can't get it in there if I just dump it and it just fills right up and it'll go over. But if I shake it and press it down, that's the way God wants to give. I'm just going to keep giving to you. You just keep giving. I'm going to keep giving to you. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. And it's going to run over in your life. I'm telling you, the more you give, the more you'll have. If you're a faithful giver. It may not always be euros, but you will be a blessed Christian. And I think every one of us in here needs to learn that in a greater way. You'll wonder, why Why do I have more? And I've just given more. Because God's just going to keep giving you. The reservoir just is looking for pipes to get the water out there to somebody. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. You're encouraged to give. Philippians chapter 4. We're the ones missing out if we don't give. Philippians chapter 4, and in verse 16, Paul says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Paul says, you've been giving to me. Yes, I, I make tents and when I can, and I try to work for myself, but I'm planting churches, and you've been giving to me. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all, and abound. And I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory, not out of, according to His riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And you could see that it's a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. If you go to Ephesians 5, 2, you'll read almost the same thing. That Christ's sacrifice was acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Well, your giving can be just the same. The way we give. And God will take care of every one of our needs. The problem is we just have a small faith when it comes comes to giving more than we just can't let go of it. Let go of it. If you know if it's of God, for you to take care of a need, do it. And I guarantee you God will take care of you. Because He says it in His Word. My God shall supply all your need. Now either it's true or it's not true. Either I'm living my life on the truths and the promises of God or I'm not. But there's not a need in this church that can't be met by the people in this church. By the same church. You don't have to look out there. It was never like that before. They didn't have... Back in Paul's day, there wasn't people... uh, paying their taxes to to take care of these people that were homeless and persecuted. The church took care of them. The Christians took care of them. That's gone. But in our church, we need to make sure we're taking care of each other. If there's a need, it needs to be made known so that we can take care of that need. You'll not outgive the reservoir. You can't. He'll just keep pouring it into your life if he finds a pipe. 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Tithes and offerings. Uh Uh-oh. Tithes and offerings. Don't worry, I won't linger long here. Special offerings, tithes and offerings. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. You see this constant care of these different churches given to the churches in Jerusalem that were... Poor, overflowing, needy, 
upon the first day of the week. What day is that? Sunday. Let every one of you lay by him in store. As God hath prospered him, some are prospered more than others, that there may be no gatherings when I come. So what are you looking at? Just offerings? And they came into the local church to be used down in Jerusalem. But also the tithes and the offerings come into the local church. You say, uh, we're not under the law anymore. Tithing is under the law. Well, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all tithed. And it was before the law. And there's a mention, guarantee, uh, obviously it was to the Pharisees, but Jesus mentioned in Matthew 23, 23, is it? You tithe of your anise and your mint and your cumin, but you forget the, the weightier matters of mercy and forgiveness. And, but let me just say this. Go to Leviticus 27. Let me get this idea that we're not under the law, we don't have to tithe. Well, I'm not going to argue with you. Go to Leviticus 27. Let me just say a word about that. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. It simply says this, In all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or in the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. Now that's under the law. Commanded of God. Now we already had a principle. Abraham was given tithes to Melchizedek. Isaac and Jacob all tithed. Now we have the tithe under the law. And I talked about Jesus after the law. But commanded of God and holy under the Lord. But you say we're not under the law. We don't have to give the tithe anymore. Well, why would that go away? Why would that be so bad? Look, you're not under the law, but the law says thou shalt not kill. Does that mean it's okay to kill now? We're not under the law, so now we can kill. It's a great principle. It's the beginning, I believe, the beginning for any Christian to tithe. It's a good starting place. It's a principle that runs through the Bible. Forget about it being under the law. It was before and after the law. It's a good principle to start with the tithe. In fact, that's the way taxes should be taken out. 100 euro, taxes are 10 euro. But that's the way the tithe is. Whether you make a lot or you make a little, you still give the same amount as far as percentage-wise. But that, that argument about the law is just silly. Because there's a lot of things in the law that we still follow. Because they were right. Because they made sense. Because they were good principles. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And in verse 8, Malachi 3.8, the last book in the New Testament, I mean the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. So it's not just the tithe. He said, even in the offering. I'm glad God said that, because each and every one of us at one time or another has robbed God. We've held back from God. Thankfully, that was between us and God. He didn't send the tithe police after us. But we've robbed God. Because sometimes we hoard. We, we hold on to it. We get into this idea that we have to hoard God's blessings. 
I'm not talking about planning for the future and all that other stuff. I'm talking about God blesses and then we hoard it. A preacher once said, the next time you want to hoard, the next time that you have a need, God's going to send you back to your hoard. He's not going to meet that need. He's going to send you right back to the hoard. That which you've been, that which you've been holding on to. So be careful that you don't hoard. This is an act of obedience. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting what to do here. This is an act of obedience, and it's a great starting point for young Christians to tithe. Every Christian in here should at the least be tithing. (laughs) You could hear a cricket in here. That's just the way it is. That's only a starting place. Now, you'll find yourself that you start giving from the heart after a while and not the head. Now, as a young Christian, when I got saved, there was I had a lot of debt, bad lifestyle, and I don't even want to go into it. But I can tell you this: when I got saved, and they and I heard I heard about tithing, I said, "You got to be kidding me! <laughs> I'm already in the red. How am I going to take a tithe off?" And uh, this doesn't add up. I love the Lord, and man, I'm saved, and I'm saved. But you're going to have to figure this out for me. I actually went forward in a service and I said to the assistant pastor, I said, Pastor Harry, I really do want to tithe. I was broken over it because I thought, I want to I want to give to God, but I don't see how that's possible. Do you want me to lay it out for you here on the altar and show you? He said, Dan, let's just pray about it. And I prayed and at that altar I said, Lord, <laughs> you said do it, I'm going to do it. I am going to give to you and the tithe will be the starting place. It's a good place for me, a good principle for me to start. Easy, 10%. Not 11 and a half, 10. You know, something I can figure out. Well, it took four years, but I went from the red to the black. But all during that time, I was tithing. God paid off credit cards and old debts. It's all gone. Do you know today, I don't owe anybody nothing. I owe no man nothing. And that's the way we ought to live our lives. Except to give honor to other, other people, but I don't, I don't owe anybody anything. Now, if you owe in your house, probably should, because who's got 200,000 euro in their pocket? That's not what I'm talking about. It's just always being a taker and getting yourself in debt. God doesn't want you in debt. I'm just saying, when I started giving, God got me out of debt. It just, I don't know how He did it. I, I couldn't even go back and tell you how it just all worked out. But, and the more I gave, and then, and then I started giving the missions. I really, I, I don't even want to, how do I say this? If I told people in work, the, the unsaved, they knew how much I was giving, they would have t- called me a fool. They say, you're a fool. You're just giving your money away. They're the ones with the problems. I'm being blessed of God, and I'm the fool? You know, my, my life was just blessed of God. So I learned how to give early on. Even, and you, you, you may have bills and you have, you're not tithing, you need to tithe. You need to give. Just give. And God will say, hey, I found, I found a pipe over there. I'm going to pour some blessings into their life. See, God's blessings never stop. It's us that get out from underneath the umbrella of blessings. We're the ones that get out here instead of staying in the center of God's will and being a giver. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. 
This is not the Christmas message, obviously. But we still got a few weeks to go. Proverbs chapter 3, and in verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. God just says that because he feels like talking. No, he says, honor me, and I'll honor you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. According to his riches and glory, he'll take care of each and every one of us. But honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits of thine increase. Honor him. Give him the best. Give him yourself, as they did in, in Macedonia. Honor God. And in the end, you will find that the more, you'll have more after you give. That's what I said before. You'll have more after you give. Because God blesses givers. Now how do we give? Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. The first fruits. The government does not take the first fruits. You don't tithe on the, uh, what would that be, the net? You tithe on the gross. If you make a thousand a month, what's the tithe? Hundred. Not on the eight hundred and something, maybe. I don't know how the taxing system is here. But um, you tithe on the gross. God gets the first fruits. I was almost saying Uncle Sam, but he's back in the United States. Whoever the Uncle Sam is here, he doesn't get first fruits. God does. Mark chapter 12 and in verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had even all her living. What you see here is two different kind of hearts. Two different givers with two different goals, really. One is concerned about the outside, what other people see, and the other was concerned about the inside. Now, why was Jesus watching the people give? In verse 38, it says, And He said unto them in His doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing, they love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts. They devour, look, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Ye shall receive the greater damnation. So the scribes were devouring widows' houses, taking from them, making their long prayers as if they cared about the widows, but they cared nothing about the widows. They were taking from them and destroying what little they had. And then Jesus is sitting there across from the treasury and they're giving out of their plenty. Ting, 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 ting. A lot of noise there at the treasury when the, when the Pharisees and the scribes gave, gave. But when the, the uh, widow came over, ting, ting, two little mites, not even a half a penny. Jesus was watching them. See, the scribes and the rich give, it's much less painful to give when you got plenty of money. And superficially, and you're, and you're not constrained. Ah, I can give a hundred out of my two thousand euros. 
it doesn't hurt as much, you know? Others, like the little widow there, she gave beyond her means, but she gave openly and freely and without restraint. Obviously, she had to be trusting in God. The scribes weren't. How can we give without doing it grudgingly? How can we do it? I'll tell you how. Keep your focus on God. Keep your focus heavenward. Keep your focus on the bank of heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and it will be easy to give. Just like the widow. We should be givers because of Bible truths tell us to give and the fact that we have a new nature to carry through in obedience to give to God. Some people are noisy givers. They poured in all their money and the Pharisees like the idea and the scribes, everybody. Wow, look how much they gave. Jesus knew what was going on. And then, ding, ding. Off she went. She said she gave more than all of them. What a difference. When, when God looks at the heart, you see, we look at the outside. So let me give you a quick summary here of these two givers. How can less be more? Like I just said, man looks at the outside, but God looks on the, the heart. Right. So there's those who give out a plenty. The rich, the scribes, who Jesus just rebuked. They lacked nothing. And they had a lot left over too, didn't they? The widow didn't. They gave, but they had a lot left over. They were takers. If you went back to their house, they would have full cupboards. They had everything they needed. But they were miserly in their giving. They wouldn't give. Not according to the way they should have given. And they don't really have to depend on God. Many people are well within their means. They have a lot left over at the end of the week. They are just... But they're miserly givers. Well, that's because they don't have have to depend on God. They're going to depend on what they have in their pocket or what's in their cupboard. Their reliance is on their hoard, on what they have, and not on God. And their heart was never really affected when you give. You're not The heart isn't effective. It's all in the head. It's all for the outward. They look for the praise of men. Then there's those who give from want. The widow gave two mites, not even a half a penny. But God was impressed with it. Jesus was impressed with that. She was in need and had nothing left over. Empty pockets. Nothing in the purse, ladies, when she walked away. Nothing. Who's to say she still didn't have a family at home? She certainly didn't have a husband, but there could have been a family at home. She had to be dependent upon God. How many of us are really depending upon God? Give us this day our daily bread. I don't think any of us are. We all have enough for the next week or month. It's just to be thankful for it and to realize where it came from. I think this widow did. And her heart was the reason that she gave. It was her heart. She trusted God to provide for her. There was a willingness. Are you even willing to do what God's told you to do? You may not have much, but God's not asking for more than you have. God's asking for what you do have. Do you think God took care of this widow? I think he did. And you know what I wanted to say? We could probably find ourselves between the widow and the scribe. We're somewhere in there in our giving. That's where we find ourselves. Now, it's funny, those with the least 
give more percentage-wise. And I'll tell you, if Andrew was here, you would probably know too, um, Jennifer. When you're on deputation, you go to a lot of churches. I was at a church that had 600 on a Wednesday evening. I can imagine how many they had on Sunday. And then it was at churches where there was 15, 20, 25. One was in a guy's basement, pastor's basement. That's where the church was. The little churches had bigger hearts than the bigger churches. I've been to the big churches. They didn't even know I was coming. Wouldn't set up a table. Sat there the whole service while he waxed eloquent up there. And, uh, oh, I see we have a missionary here with us tonight. Why don't you come up and pray with us, brother? Never took us on. Now look, God took care of me. I'm just trying to tell you, you can get so big that you forget about God. Take me back to the 25 people church where they had a heart and they, and they loved God and they take you on for $25 a month. And you're like, wouldn't that leave you crying? It would leave you broken that this little group's going to try to support a missionary in Ireland. Big church? I don't know. There's just a difference. When you have so much, you forget about God. We can have a lot. Solomon was the richest man in all the world. You can be rich. You can have a lot of money. Just don't forget God. Don't forget God gave it to you. You wouldn't have it without Him. Your giving should be according to your trust in the Bible and its commands and direct dependence upon God. Not by how much you have or what you'll have left over. It should be all based upon us obeying the promises of God and just giving, depending upon God. Ecclesiastes 11. Turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, just after Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, to the right, one more book. Ecclesiastes. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. What does God want? He just wants liberal, joyful giving, and it will be rewarded. It will be rewarded. Being a giver to as many people as you can be a giver to. As God blesses you, you give. You take... Give your time and your talents and all that you have. And the more you give, the more you'll be able to give. Guaranteed. Why is that? Because God has found a heart that's willing to give. And you're a channel that's wide open. It's clear. The water can get all the way down to where it's needed. He's found somebody that he can bless and is going to be a blessing to others. Jim Elliott, the missionary who lost his life over there in Ecuador, trying to reach the, uh, the Indians there. The natives. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Now there, I think it was just him giving his life. He said, I gave my life to the Lord and um, I can never lose that. I have eternal life. And I think that's what he meant by that. Well, he did lose his life and four other missionaries with him lost their life there. But eventually the gospel got in there and those people, some people got, got saved there. The gospel got into Ecuador. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Well, I kind of turned that around so that we could understand it. That which you hold on to, you could either lose or it could be stolen. But that which you give away is yours forever. 
You know, when I help somebody or I can give something to somebody, you can't take that away from me. That's mine forever. That God used me to be a blessing to someone else. You can't take it away. I'll never lose it. And, and besides that, if it was done with the right motive and intent of the heart, it's in the bank of heaven. And it'll never be taken away. I'm just trying to tell you, be a willing giver. Let's finish up in First Chronicles 29. Actually, there's two more verses, but First Chronicles 29. You know, David had a heart to build the temple. David wanted to build that temple. In fact, look at chapter 28, actually. Chapter 28. David wanted so bad to build the temple of God. He had a heart to build that thing. But in 28 and verse 2, Then David the king stood upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my peoples. As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. So as much as David wanted to build the temple, he went from a builder to a giver. And he began to give. In fact, the giving for the first temple, also known as Solomon's temple, David initiated all that. Now in First Chronicles 29, just in the chapter over, chapter 29, look at verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have... I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Verse 17. I know also my God that tries the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy the people, thy people, which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. Do you see that willingness? Over and over and over again. David was told, you're not going to build it. But you know what David did? He allowed for the peace, the peace around from those enemies to be able to build the temple and then to provide for the building of the temple. David was a man after God's own heart and he willingly gave so that his son Solomon could build. He influenced others too because in verse 6, it says, Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. So even the leaders, not only David, but the leaders gave willingly. Those in places of leadership in the church should be influences to others that were givers. We're givers. They're not watching you put your tithe and offering in that box. They're watching how you give to serve God in the local church as a leader in the church. You're an influence. Follow. Follow the lead. And then in verse 9, verse 9 it says, Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. The people gave willingly. The whole atmosphere in the church changed because they saw this leading influence of David and then the leaders getting right behind him. And then the whole church became a giving church. And they were encouraged to give. It spreads. Give back to the Lord what God has given you. Look at verse 14. But who am I, David said? What is my people that we should be able to give, offer so willingly after this sort? 
For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. I'm only giving back to you, God, what you've given me. I didn't do this on my own. You helped me to have all this. You blessed me with this. Can't you give God what he's, what is his already? I mean, we're just stewards of all that God has given us. You know, our wealth can be gone in a moment. You can look them verses up. Basically, they say that riches get wings and they just fly away. And they're gone. You know? And we, we shouldn't trust in them. Don't trust in, in riches and don't trust in your flesh. In fact, if you're a man that's given over to, to the flesh, to an appetite, the Bible says take, put a knife to your throat, you'd be better to... Don't trust in riches and don't trust in your flesh. Take whatever measures you need to to become a giver after God's own heart and to be a willing giver like David was and the leaders and then the people. Become a giver before the riches fly away. You can't take it with you. I accidentally told the people, not, I, I thought this was true, but it's not. Uh, Elvis Presley, I thought he was buried in his pink Cadillac, but he wasn't. It sounded good, and I said it in all earnest. I, but, you know, you can't take it with you. None of it. You're not taking anything with you. So there's no sense hoarding it. I thought Elvis Presley got buried in his pink Cadillac. Well, he didn't. He had one, but he didn't. But you know what? Elvis didn't take anything with him. And when Trump dies, he's not taking anything with him. And all the rest of the millionaires. None of us are taking it with us. So we can be givers now. Now's the time because riches are going to fly away. Everything you have will be given to somebody else. (laughs) Think about that. So what about eternity? What about what really matters here? Mark 10.23. Turn there. That'll be the last one. Guaranteed. Mark 10.23. I just want you to see the fact that This man thought he had done everything he needed to do. In fact, Jesus even says Jesus loved him. I haven't defrauded anybody and I've honored my mom and dad and I'm not a bear false witness. I've never killed anybody. Never committed adultery. And Jesus loved him. In verse 21, then Jesus beholding him, Mark 10, 21, beholding him said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up thy cross and follow me. And he, he was sad at that saying. And went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. You know, it's not just riches. But you might be here and you're not saved and you're on your way to hell because you're holding on to something else like religion or baptism or church or... You just won't humble yourself. The love of money can keep people out of heaven. And you might be holding on to something this morning instead of just receiving the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You're holding on to something. You won't let go. I don't know. It looks like all the regulars here. But if you're not saved, I hope you're not holding on to something that's not going to help you get to heaven. See, God wants to give you a gift. Okay? You gotta let go, like that monkey, you gotta let go of those false hopes, like religion and baptism and works. Jesus Christ left his riches to become poor. The Bible says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. 
that ye through his poverty might be rich. And are we not rich today? Are we not rich today? We are. Can we not be givers? God is the greatest giver of all time. He gave his only begotten son. The most precious gift that anyone could give. So today you can let go of any false hopes and you can lay hold on eternal life. If you're not saved here today, you're not sure, let go and hold on to Jesus Christ. Be a receiver of the greatest gift of all. John 1, 11 and 12 says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So Christian, you can be a giver because it magnifies the grace and the glory of God in your life. That little widow, she had a giving heart. Christian, I hope today you have a giving heart. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have so many examples in the Bible of the truth that um, we can stand on. Their promises, God. You said you'd take care of us. You said you're looking for someone to give that can be a blessing. And Lord, you are the reservoir. You, you'll never, it never runs dry. But Lord, help us increase our faith. Help us to be better givers. Lord, some of us are giving and maybe doing it grudgingly. Help us to give cheerfully, knowing that our God's going to take care of us. God, help us to help each other. Help us to, uh, to give our tithes and our offerings. Help us to give our time and whatever talents we have to serve you. Lord, just teach us. Just teach us to give. May this month be a month of giving. For whatever we, whatever you impress upon our heart, maybe it's to another person. Maybe it's just our time. Maybe it's labor. Maybe it's giving to the church, serving in a ministry, singing this Saturday to be there. We've raised our hand. We're going to be there. I'm going to give to God, me, my voice, and sing for him. God, I pray that we seriously think about how much better givers we could be. And Father, I pray you bless this, these truths to our heart, Lord. Make us like the little widow woman to trust you and depend upon you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.